0: They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced 4th and 26, stinks in a trash. AI's crossover, throwing batteries at J.D. Drew, Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz, the Legion of Doom, and thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What's up, iTunes? What's up, SoundCloud.com? It is the one and only, you know what you love it, Brotherly Love Podcast. Download us, stream us, whatever your flavor, we're with you. Joe O'Donnell, Johnny Mita here with you. Johnny Mita, always a pleasure, brother. How are you?
1: Uh, no doubt, man. Our Super Bowl predictions were pretty spot on, my friend. Pretty spot on.
0: Yeah, they were. Unfortunately, uh, those stinking Patriots. Like, it's unbelievable to think of uh, seeing signs from the parade. Kids are like fifteen years old in Boston growing up, they've seen ten titles.
1: <sighs> Hard to find. Them.
0: Is that not depressing? I mean, it's not it's almost like it's not even fun. Like what how is it fun being a Patriots fan? There's like zero adversity. Brady gets suspended four games. That's Tommy. We'll be fine. Come back when the Super Bowl. Like, I don't get it. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the game. Let's start right there. We will talk a little Sixers, because John Meade has got an interesting question to pose. We'll talk a little Eagles and this Jason Peters possible pay cutter restructuring of his contract. And we'll have our rant, which we haven't had in a while. But we're going to start with the Super Bowl, the NFL season. Uh, officially over. It's the official NFL offseason now, as short as that is usually. 34-28 in overtime, the first Super Bowl in history, 51 of them to go to overtime. Patriots win at 34-28. They scored 19 points to the Falcons' zilch in the fourth quarter, and then the six more, obviously, in overtime. They didn't need to kick the extra point. Why would they? 34-28 the final. Belichick and Brady stamped themselves as the greatest Coach and quarterback, at least maybe less of an argument than you had before. Five rings for those two. They win with whatever cast of characters is around them, whatever their schedule is, whatever their injuries are, their suspensions. They trade players that you think are big pieces. And at the end, they're at the top of the mountain again. I'll pose the question to you, John Mita, because there were stretches of the game, unfortunately, I missed. Uh, party environment, making sure the kids weren't going to, like, you know, burn the house down where we're at. So I missed things, and then I drove back. I was like, oh, you know, there's eight minutes left. They're down a couple scores. We live like five minutes away from the place we're at. I get back, and the Patriots have the ball, and they're about to start a drive to tie the game and eventually force overtime. So when I finally like locked in late in the fourth quarter when the game was already more than interesting, it was just a matter of time because you could just tell Atlanta was rattled and New England was rolling. Um, so I'll, I'll pose the question to you. Bigger choke job or bigger, miraculous comeback uh, in the case of the Patriots and the Falcons?
1: I'm going to have to say bigger choke job, and here's why. Julio Jones makes this miraculous catch. He's being defended by the play by former Eagle Eric Rowe, and he makes a sick catch on the sideline. He toe taps, and Atlanta has the ball. They're still up eight points, and they have it first and 10 on the 22-yard line of the Patriots, and they they just choked out. And all they had to do was run the ball three consecutive times, burn some clock, force the Patriots to use their timeout, and then kick, which essentially is a very makeable field goal. What do they do? They try to pass on first down. They get called for a holding penalty, essentially it knocks them out of field goal range and then they have to punt. It's just, they blew it. If you go up 11 points under five minutes to go in the game, I don't care how many timeouts the other team has, that is a very hard scenario to overcome. And they just blew it. They should have been able to kick that field goal, put make themselves in a two-score game. Essentially, they get forced to punt the ball and give... You know, the greatest quarterback arguably now, I think it's stamped, it's official, of all time, the ball back, to just get eight points. And, granted, you have to be successful in the two-point version, but once that happened, you just had this eerie feeling, are going to lose this game. Tom Brady's going to step right up to the plate and finish it off in style. He was so hot, you know, at the end of the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, his numbers were immaculate. It was just, just, ridiculous. So I kind of blame the Atlanta coaching staff for that. I don't know if they tried to score, you know, and trying to get another touchdown so that that would just make sure they were guaranteed the win. But at the same time, in that situation, with that time on the clock, what the circumstances are, you have to run the football. And the biggest thing for me is, you know, Alex Mack, the Pro Bowl center for the Atlanta Falcons. He's coming into the game playing with a broken figure. They even said that they couldn't run the ball between the tackles because essentially it would expose the center. But my feeling is this. Like, if your center is only 70%, I'd rather take a backup at 100% knowing that basically you can only work with half of your playbook. And the Atlanta Falcons were doing a great job running the football. And it seems like in the second half, they got away from that. If you look at the numbers, they were averaging essentially 4.8 yards a carry. I think they had like 18 rushes for 104 yards between Devontae Freeman and Devin Coleman. It's just inexcusable that they found a way to choke and lose that game. Yeah,
0: it was stunning, man. Um, Again, I kind of locked in on the game while that... Last drive was going down to tie it, then the two-point conversion, and then in overtime, it was just a matter of time. Now, with that said, that first or second down play, Brady threw one up in the end zone, um, and that young linebacker almost, uh, or Vic Beasley, excuse me, almost came down with a pick You know, that could have maybe kept Atlanta alive there with a touchback, but uh, it was just a matter of time. It felt like that. Atlanta was reeling. They were rattled. You know that that's like in basketball where you call like a bunch of timeouts in a row, just trying to do anything to stop the bleeding. Unfortunately, in football, that ain't gonna help you. And um, the Patriots, man, it's just unbelievable—like absolutely unbelievable—that those guys have five rings in the last what thirteen years, fourteen years. It's unbelievable. And uh, I don't know how much I don't know how much longer they can keep it going, but. You know, they're going to be a favorite again to go right back to the conference championship, right back to the Super Bowl. It's hard to win in New England, and and really it's hard to fault their process. Other teams have tried to mimic their process and have failed miserably. Um, And and for whatever reason, they get guys to buy in. They get guys to take lesser roles. They get guys to take pay cuts. They get guys to check their ego at the door. Freaking Randy Moss was a saint there. And one of the greatest regular seasons ever in history. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the buy-in they get there, the culture they've created. Tom Brady checks everybody. Um, he's the, the alpha dog. And Belichick apparently is this great guy to play for, even though he seems like a total, you know, absolute D-bag uh, at his press conferences. So we'll see where it goes from here. But the New England Patriots on top of the NFL world again, 34-28 in overtime. Atlanta remains titleless. And uh, if I'm a Falcons fan, today, yesterday, whatever, probably looking for sharp objects to be kept away from my vicinity. All right, uh, Tom Brady's jersey from Super Bowl 51 went missing after the game. I should have fired up some X, uh, X-Files music. What was that show called? Was it called the X-Files? Yeah, X-Files. Yeah, it's let me, let me see if I can find a little X-Files music. Let me see if I can my do that on the fly. <laughs> uh, in the meantime... I didn't watch the X-Files. I don't know the X-Files. I I mean, I know the theme song, but I don't know it well enough to try and make it up on the fly. What do you got for me, Johnny Meta? What's your conspiracy theory as to where Brady's jersey went?
1: I think Brady's jersey went to the guy. uh, No, I have no idea on this one. But the crazy part is, you know, when records are established, when somebody does something great, what do they do? If they want to keep a football, what do they do? They hand it to somebody on the training staff, they lock it in a box, and it's never to be heard from again. The fact that, like, they didn't do that with his jersey, and I don't know why he took it off. I'm sure he could have got a double XL championship shirt, thrown it on, and just never taken off his jersey. Because that thing should have been flown right to can that night. And... It is pretty funny though. I, I'm not gonna. Tell you. I think it's hilarious the fact that it went missing.
0: Were you leaning yeah, towards pretty... the fact? Do you think he gave it to the deflator? <laughs> is that what you were gonna say? You started like you were gonna go down the equipment guy path, and then you backed off.
1: <laughs> no, that is hilarious. Whoever has this jersey, it's not like you can. John Mita, this is not a laughing guys. matter. This is not a laughing matter. His
0: jersey is missing. Oh, it's
1: missing. The drama and builds. They also... Yeah, they got the Texas Rangers involved trying to solve this mystery. Fact of the matter is, apparently, he took it all, threw it in a bag before even the media was trying to access the locker. Yeah, did you see the video? You see
0: the video? There's no, there's not. footage of Brady talking to his teammates and security going, I put the jersey right here. Did you take my jersey? Did you see my jersey? I can't believe you didn't see this on uh, NFL Network or wherever. I mean, he's ah. playing... All right, here's where I'm coming out on this. I've got a couple of theories. One, Tom Brady has the jersey. Okay? He doesn't want it to go to Canton. He doesn't want it to go to some, you know, hole in the Patriots' offices. Tom Brady has his jersey, and he's using this as a ploy. All right? It seemed too scripted. You watch. he's He's like, I put it right here. It was right here. I stuffed it in this bag. Yeah, somebody walked into your duffel bag and took it out, Tom. I'm not buying it for a second. All
1: right? That is hilarious. I love that theory, by now, the Brady way. Now, Brady has never... this
0: jersey for a couple of reasons. One, it's the keep because he becomes the goat with it. And again, he wants it. It's it's probably the most prized piece of memorabilia he could ever have. It's his game-worn jersey. Not a replica. Not a replica of the Super Bowl trophy. Not a replica of an MVP trophy. It is the jersey he wore when he became the greatest quarterback ever. An elite fifth super bowl that nobody can ever touch or has touched. All right. Now here's where I'm going with this. Brady might put this up. Maybe maybe Giselle's going to wear it. Who knows? But I got a couple other uh, working theories. One of them is the guy that's now sitting in an oval office. Last time I checked he's a Patriots fan. Correct or incorrect? Correct. You're telling me you're telling me the guy who's like la- I don't even want to talk. I don't even say his name. Because he's so crazy, he'll probably find our podcast and hunt me down. But the guy that's in charge of our country, God save all of us. What if he put a bug in Tommy's ear? What if he sent somebody into that locker room? post-game? I want the jersey if they win. Get it done. Executive order.
1: Yeah, Maybe he's got it.
0: Maybe he's got it.
1: Hey, maybe Vladimir Putin has apparently has uh-huh. overcrabs like third Super Bowl run. There you go. So maybe put some Russian spies in the locker room to confiscate the jersey.
0: Sounds like something the Ruskies would do. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. If you watch the footage that they show, where it's like the mics are on, the cameras are on, and Brady's telling security and asking his teammates, he's like looking at Amendola or somebody, he's like, "Hey, do you see my jersey?" It was so fake-looking. I'm like, this guy's got his jersey. There's not a doubt in my mind that he either stashed it somewhere or gave it to the deflator and said, you hide this thing. The deflator's covered for him in the past. And Tom Brady has his Super Bowl jersey. It's not stolen. It's not lost. It wasn't misplaced. He's got it. He's got it hidden away. Nobody will be talking about this thing for, you know, in a couple of days, it'll all blow over. The jersey will never miraculously turn up unless it ends up in the White House. And Tom Brady's got his jersey. I'm telling you right now. That's awesome. Love all right. It. That's my conspiracy theory. Enough of the X-Files music. Goddamn Patriots want it again. All right. Uh, you wanted to talk a little Eagles. <laughs> that, yeah, go ahead. What do you got? The
1: deal with it? I mean, how about they win it without Rob Gronkowski? I know. That, that, that's that's the other thing. It's just remarkable. You know, their best offensive skill player. Pretty crazy.
0: Maybe the most All dominant right. player offensively in the
1: sport. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Eagles.
0: Yeah, what do you got? Jason Peters, they they've approached him about restructuring his contract. Is that what you're is that is that the latest news?
1: Yeah. So the big story in the Philly news in the last couple of days is the fact that apparently the Philadelphia Eagles have approached their Pro Bowl left tackle, Jason Peters, and they want to talk to him about possibly taking a pay cut this year. He is set to make eleven point seven million dollars. This is the last year of his contract. And they approached him about doing that. And the question is or my question to you, Joe is what do you do with him? In my opinion, you you find a way to keep this guy. Everybody thought that he was essentially cooked. He hated Chip Kelly. He missed a lot of games. He just had he just had no parts and wanting to play for that man, Chick out Zero. He comes back this year and he was an absolute dominant force. So in my opinion, I would find ways to cut other guys, you know, specifically maybe like Jason Kelsey that makes like three to four million, maybe Connor Baldwin that makes you know close upwards of seven million dollars. There's your eleven million dollars. You cut those two players right there and you let Jason Peters play out the last year of his contract. Yeah,
0: but you, you can't pay him $11 million, dude. He has to understand that. He has to. I mean, the, he absolutely has to understand that. He's not an $11 million tackle anymore. He's not an $11 million tackle pay. when he's going to spend three games on the sidelines, you know, not finishing the fourth quarter, or he's going to miss a start, or he's going to limp off the field in the second quarter and come back late in the third. I mean, that, you don't pay a guy almost a million dollars a game for that. I'm sorry you don't. I love Jason Peters. I know there's nobody better off the street. I know you can milk another year, maybe two out of them, even though the last couple of years we kind of thought this was it. I don't want him to leave the organization. But he if he's going to make $11 million next season, he better play with a ski mask on and a gun in his back pocket.
1: Yeah, but Joe, think about it. If you let this guy go, you don't think one team will sign him to a $10 million contract? Oh. Okay. Right. I could probably think of fifteen to twenty teams that would do that. Well, what's the going rate for left tackles? It depends. You know, average ones make five to six million dollars. You know, good ones with that make the Pro Bowl essentially every year. All right, here they make that I'm seeing that the
0: top four salaries, 2017, for tackles. All right, they're all left tackles, okay. obviously. Trent Williams, thirteen point six million. Terran Armstead okay. is he with the uh, see with the Saints, thirteen million. Tyron Smith, twelve point two million. Cordy Glenn, twelve million. Never even heard of that guy. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, yes, Taron Armstead is with the with the Saints. Eric Fisher, left tackle for the Chiefs, twelve million. Uh, David Thomas. Mate. He makes eleven and a half. David okay. Bakhtiari, of the Packers, is making twelve. This is according to Sport Uh, spottrack.com. uh Then you've okay. got. Joe Thomas, 11 and a half. you got Lane Johnson, 11.2. Jason Peters is making just over $10 million, according to this next year. Now, your $11 million figure might factor in uh, some bonuses yeah. and whatnot. Russell Okong is in there. So the Eagles are paying both their tackles top 11 tackle money. Johnson's eighth, Peters yeah. is eleventh. If this website is correct, Nate Solder of New England is making less than Jason Peters. Dwayne Brown in Houston, Joe Staley, Michael Oher, uh, or however you pronounce in Carolina, he's yeah. only making seven point two million. Oh yeah. my gosh! The the San Diego Chargers are paying King Dunlap seven million dollars.
1: Yeah, Jesus, Crazy, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, when you look at the offensive positions, right? Obviously, the quarterback makes more money than anybody else. But who makes the second most? You're not talking wide receivers. You're not talking running backs. You're talking left-back.
0: I mean, is Jason Peters a top 15 tackle? Absolutely. All right. Then I guess you got to pay him. All right. See you, Jason <laughs> Kelsey. See uh whatever his name Who else did you say to cut Connor, Connor Barwin? Barwin?
1: I don't know, man. Yeah, well, I just They just got, they just got rid of Leotis McKelvin today, and apparently... He was at three and a half...
0: That was your boy. You loved McKelvin. Uh, No, I didn't. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Eagles, what a... Uncle Leotis.
0: Oh, what a train wreck that secondary is. Um, No doubt. My goodness. All right, so we've agreed to apparently keep Jason Peters making like a million dollars a game, which, again, I'm not happy with, but apparently that's the going rate. All right, your Sixers topic, my friend, here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Check us out on Twitter, at Love Podcast. You, You asked me... Uh, We were texting earlier, Ben Simmons, do you bring him back at all this year? Do you use Embiid sparingly? Uh, And those two questions I think are very interesting. Now this Embiid thing, just as I said, hey, he's healthy. His injury history is in the past. He gets hurt and he hasn't played since. So uh, Sixers fans, you can hate on me. That's my fault. I should have knocked on wood. Uh, I don't know what to tell you about Joel Embiid. I think at this point, you play the guy when he's healthy, just like you would any other player. Um, you got to take you have to take the gloves off with Joel Embiid, all right? Because you got to find out what you have. If he's going to be injury prone, then you've got to build around that that knowledge. If he's fine, he's obviously a beast and a superstar, and you build around that. And I think that's how the Embiid thing will eventually play itself out. I, I, I pray to God he doesn't turn into Yao Ming Junior, where it's like you know miss a season, play a season, miss a season, and then his career comes to a freaking end. Nobody wants that. I think MB, they're They're going to obviously be a little bit more cautious. But at the end of the day, this guy's going to be fine. He's going to be a beast. But you just need to know what you have there. Injury-wise, uh, what he can do, what he can't do as he continues to grow into what we hope is a bona fide superstar for a long time for the Sixers and the National Basketball Association. As for Ben Simmons, you've got to bring him. If he's if he gets cleared medically to re- you know completely return to basketball, none of this 5-on-0 practice drills, I'm talking... Like basketball, like playing competitively, you have to, you have to, John Mita, even if there's 10 games left, you have to see for his experience what it's like to play in the NBA. Those 10 games, 15 games, six games are huge, whether you're in it or not. From his standpoint, to knock some of the rust off, to play competitive basketball, the Summer League's a joke, dude, all right? You have to get Ben Simmons back as quickly as possible to a high level so he can help you win in the future. Sitting him on a bench and letting him work out all the time is not going to help the Sixers long term. If he gets cleared and he can return, I don't care if there's two games left and the games mean nothing. You play him. He needs to see what it's like to play in games that matter in the NBA. That's my take.
1: You know, from that standpoint, I completely I completely agree with you 100%. He's got to come back you got to see what the chemistry is like. There's a lot of questions on the team. You have New Orleans Noel. He's going to be a free agent. You have the logjam with Jaleel Okafor, who essentially you know talks if he is up. And this is another topic that the New Orleans Pelicans, that they've been in talks with them for you know, possibly a first-round pick. So I agree with you 100%. My question is, you know, we don't know how bad this injury is. Last time Joel Embiid stepped on the court, they played the Houston Rockets. He dropped 34 points at like run and rebound, three blocks, whatever. He, he killed it. I'm just wondering if the Sixers are like, we're just going to hold him out. We had the best record in the NBA last month, better than any other franchise, and we're going to make sure that we have our stake in this year's lottery. Because when you look at this year's lottery coming up, Joe, I don't know if you know it or not, but in my opinion, this is the best draft class coming out since the draft of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony. So you have to write yourself and make sure that you get a top five pick. But So you know, you're looking for one more tank? No, I'm not looking for a tank, but I'm not looking to try to make the playoffs. You know, everybody was getting hyped up. They won so many games. So let's try to make the playoffs. So essentially, that won't accomplish anything because you essentially need at least one player, if not two. Depending on what the Lakers do this year, they're kind of in a little bit of a tank mode. But if you could secure their pick, it's top three protected. But essentially, if you could get two picks in the top ten this year to go with the assets you have with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, this franchise will be set LeBron James, he's aging in the tooth. You know, they will be able to compete for a championship, you know, in the next 3 to 4 years, in my opinion.
0: Right now the Sixers are 18 and 34 with their loss tonight to San Antonio. Only Brooklyn is worse in the East, and there are two teams in the West, the Lakers and the Suns, with 18 or fewer wins. Everybody else in the NBA has at least 20. Look, when the Sixers were rolling a couple weeks back, I kind of thought the same thing. Don't screw this up. You've been doing so well tanking and getting all these good players. Don't all of a sudden win 30 games this year and get the you know the 18th pick. But then again, the, the building was hyped. It was sold out. Embiid was talking playoffs. The town for two weeks was in a Sixers frenzy, right? And again, I go back to a point I've made several times on this podcast. You need to experience that winning if you're ever going to you know, learn how to win and be really good. You can't just lose all the time. It's miserable. It's a miserable culture. So at least they are having some mild success this year. If they finish with 25 wins, is it a good season? Uh, I think by their expectations, they'll probably take it. But at the same time, you know, if this draft is as good as you're saying it is, and I keep hearing about this Monk kid, um, if he's the answer, if he's the truth, so to speak, then you got to do everything you can to make sure you put yourself in a good spot in that lottery, and hopefully you get the Sacramento. You know, you can always swap with the Kings if their picks better, and. Just pray to the basketball gods that the Lakers, you know, finish fourth in the lottery or fifth in the lottery. And then the Sixers could end up with, like you said, two top 10 picks. And maybe they get the fourth pick or the fifth pick and the eighth pick. Uh, you could always parlay one of those into a trade. You know, Sam Hinkie the hell out of this thing. So we'll see where they go. But I think if Ben Simmons is cleared, I don't think he's going to help your team that much as a fresh faced rookie. He's not going to equal like eight wins down the stretch, I wouldn't think. You got to get him into some games so he knows what it's like and you know what you have. And you mentioned chemistry. Great point. You got to get some chemistry with these guys. Yeah. All right. No doubt about it, brother. Let's get into the rant. My rant's short, so I'll start. Uh, The Boston Bruins just fired Claude Julien. Claude Julien, if you're French. All right. 10 years as the Bruins head coach, helped them to seven playoff appearances, I believe. Stanley Cup title. They missed the playoffs the last two years. Boston's on the cusp of a playoff spot this season, but they gassed Claude Julien. So, George McPhee and the Las Vegas Golden Knights now have their head coach, even though they haven't officially announced it yet. If they don't hire Claude Julien to run their first-year franchise next year, they're insane. I expect them to make that move sooner rather than later, because who knows who else might be interested in Julien's services. It is a cutthroat business in the National Hockey League. You know, Boston's above 500. They are a team that won the Stanley Cup just five years ago and now they fired their head coach who was the longest tenured in the National Hockey League. It's not an easy business, but with all the winning Boston's doing around the Bruins, a lot of Patriots, uh, I think things got a little tight around the neck of Claude Julien. Was the message stale? I don't know. But their interim head coach, Bruce Cassidy, hadn't coached in the National Hockey League in like a decade. So I don't think he's going to get the job done. Uh, found it very interesting as well, the Bruins fired him the day of the Patriots Parade. Why not bury it in the news as much as you can while you still have one more day of Patriots pandemonium? So Claude Julien fired by the Bruins. He'll be the next head coach in Las Vegas. Book it. It'll happen sooner rather than later. All right, Johnny Mita, your turn, my friend. And I know this one is uh, is a passionate one for you. The stage is all yours.
1: Yeah, and my rant you know, has to do with the National Football League and specifically the Hall of Fame. So this year, two Eagles were up. You know, Eagle by short term, which is Terrell Owens and Brian Dawkins. And both these guys, he has been on the ballot for a couple of years now. Brian Dawkins, this was the first year he became a finalist. First year he was eligible. And I found out who got elected the of thing. And it's got me pissed off. Now, they elected Jason Taylor. Okay. Was Jason Taylor a great player? Sure. Okay. He had 139 sacks. I'm not going to take anything away from that. But, you know, when you look at the whole thing, look at the voting, a lot of times they do take defensive players from, like, defensive ends. People that have had sacks, like the Reggie Whites, the Bruce Smiths of the world, I get it. But when you look at a player like Brian Dawkins and everything that he did for his franchise, and let's also look at how he kind of revolutionized the safety position that first safety that could basically do everything and I know there's pretty much there's only been a couple safeties elected to the Hall of Fame so it's one position like that's extremely difficult and he was quoted saying is he made the trip he was waiting in his hotel room for somebody to knock on the door and nobody came and to me it's an absolute atrocity I believe that he's a first out Hall of Famer if you look at his numbers, they're absolutely ridiculous. If you look at, you know, what he did for the Philadelphia Eagles franchise, it's not like the Philadelphia Eagles had fantastic offenses like the pay, like Patriot offenses or the San Francisco 49ers. You know, that team, that era, it's because of their defense. That's why they made so many games. And for them to elect a guy like Jason Taylor and the kicker, Morton Anderson. And I know this is the fourth year he's up. There's pretty much only one kicker in the Hall of Fame, I guess the punter, Ray Guy. I'm not saying that Morton Anderson isn't deserving, but at the same time, there's no way in the world that Brian Dawkins should have not been elected over Morton Anderson and Jason Taylor. Apparently, he lost out by one single vote, from what I understand. He also might have had a split vote due to the fact that the great safety John Lynch, who played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the Denver Broncos, he was also, you know, on the ballot this year, but it's just ridiculous. And the fact that T.O. didn't get it. You know, look at T.O.'s numbers. Now, people could say he's a franchise killer. You know, what he did off the field, he didn't get along with the media. I get all that. But you can't tell me that this guy's not a Hall of Famer. When I look at Hall of Fame, when it comes down to it, I, for me, the marker is, is this guy top five at his position all time. And there's no doubt in my mind that Brian Dawkins, you can't say that he is not top five at his position all time. It's just, it's an absurdity. I think it's ridiculous. I know one day Brian Dawkins will get in the hall of fame. I will be taking that trip to Ken When he does get in, but I'm just pissed off at the writers that, that they just didn't put this guy in because listen, I'm not taking anything away from Jason Taylor. He was a great player. But you know what did he do in the playoff, right? And and Greg, Jason
0: Taylor's soft, soft man. Jason Taylor's a soft football player. Brian Dawkins I, I just, is a leader. Brian Dawkins you know, changed yeah. the way offensives thought about running their play calls because they didn't want to get their heads taken off. Brian Dawkins struck fear into the opposition. Jason yeah. Taylor's a soft exactly. man. Jason Taylor's just soft. Bottom line, bunch yeah. of sacks, <laughs> but who sure. feared Jason it's Taylor?
1: Yeah, is he a Hall of Famer? Sure, but is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? No, not way. a chance. In the not a chance. No way in the effing and, and you're right. Ridiculous. You're
0: right. John Lynch and Brian Dawkins probably cost each other a few votes. You see it happen all the time with sluggers in Major League Baseball or pitchers, you know, relief pitchers that are up against one another, and you know who gets their who gets writer XYZ's vote. And that's just the reality of it. It stinks. Uh, your point on the kicker, tough to argue. Maybe they should just have a kicker part of the Hall of Fame. Because there are certainly kickers that have had great careers. Adam Vinatieri is one that should get in the Hall of Fame someday. I mean, you look at these guys that kick for 10 or 15 years and, and are, are game changers because of their range and their accuracy. Maybe just build a little kicker's wing for them. Because, you know, otherwise there's going to be none that get in or one that gets in. And it is a very important part of the game. But you're right. There's no reason that Morton Anderson, Gary Anderson, or any of the Andersons should get in the Hall of Fame before Brian Dawkins. I'm sorry. It's just just a fact. Now, the thing that I love the most about B-Doc is just how distraught he was. You know, he said he didn't want to go in person, and then he kind of got convinced to go, and then he was just, he's bummed, man. And he said, I'm never going back again. Like, he's not going to go sit there and go through that misery. And you know it just ate him up, man, because that's the type of player he was. Emotional, spirited, um, just just a guy that you wanted to be around if you're a football player. And, and I just see that same thing, man. He was probably going through the highs and the lows throughout that day, praying he was going to get in. He wants it bad. And that's what makes Brian Dawkins so great. He wants it bad. Some guys probably could care less if they don't get in the Hall of Fame. T.O. took to Twitter like the punk that he is and started complaining. Did Brian Dawkins do that? Nope. I'm just going to get back to the grind in Philadelphia, trying to help make the Eagles better. But this one stinks. He dropped his old, like, God-dong it in there, or whatever he used to say. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, that's just Brian Dawkins, man. And that's why we loved him, because because as much as he wore his emotions on his sleeves, he's uh, responsible, he's professional, and at the end of the day, he just wants it worse than anybody else. And and you know what? Someday I hope Brian Dawkins does get in. He will. All right, brother. Always a right, pleasure. Buddy. We accomplished number a lot kill. again. We accomplished a lot again.
1: Podcast number 81.
0: And, and we figured out the Eagles' problem with Jason Peters because I just looked up salaries, and if they're comparable, just pay the guy, even though I don't really think, you know, you should give in to a guy that's like 50 years old. Tell him to take a damn pay cut. <laughs> take a pay cut. You want to be here that bad, Jason Peters? Take a pay cut. That's my take. <laughs> They'll probably end up paying him. All right, brother. As always, a pleasure. Uh, we'll try and get up in the next week or so um, and, and just, just rock it out like normal. Sound good?
1: All that. No doubt. No doubt.
0: All right. The roots will take us out. The Illadelf. What what? Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Appreciate all the love and support. Johnny Media, you're the man.
1: You're the
0: best, Joe. All right, peace out, Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud iTunes. You know what's good, you know what's good. Till next time, we'll suit. See- Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.